So part of the, the spirit of dana or generosity that is, makes it possible for us to be here also has made it possible for us for the first time in a long, long time to be able to have a workable, um, a workable way of doing questions and answers. Someone from our Sangha as their form of dana offered to buy us some microphones that we could carry around. And so tonight at some point in the conversation, I will um, hopefully open it up to any questions that you might have about your practice, about any of the teachings that are, have been offered, are being offered, but something that is not too theoretical, hopefully something that's relevant to your life and your practice, and we'll make that as part of the night. But during the sitting, as I often do, I, I got a few ideas about, about uh, some stray thoughts for tonight, and I got a title, and the title is What You're Feeling is Just Right. What you're feeling is just right. Part of the way that our maniacal mind works and our, sometimes our spiritual mind, our spiritual aspirations, and just human nature in general, is that there is a view, a habit of mind, a way of, a way of experiencing reality where we perceive whatever we're experiencing as being uh, something we, that shouldn't be there. Something that, that something is wrong. And either we have resistance to whatever it is that we're feeling, uh, want some other feeling to be happening, some way that uh, we are not just opening to whatever it is that's showing up. And you could say that Dharma 101, the awakening of, the awakening of freedom, according to the Buddha and what seems really just logical, is the lessening or the cessation of our reactivity to whatever we're feeling. Our, it's the lessening of those views that um, whatever we're experiencing is not right. And I think it may be part of our socialization, I was thinking about this, part of our socialization creates a little narrow band of what's acceptable to think. What are acceptable feelings, what are acceptable thoughts, and it's very easy in the in the uh, field that we practice in, the field of awakening that, that paints an idealized view of what's possible, what kinds of experiences are possible, what wholesome states of mind are like, what unwholesome states of mind are like. We get all kinds of notions of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And knowing that the way that the 
the way that the wholesome qualities of mind are able to flower is when we, are, when we learn how to open, when we learn how to meet our experience in a non-reactive way with a kind of simple, pure awareness. We think that uh, in, order for, in order for us to feel that sense of um, that sense of freedom, the sense of okayness, I'm getting, I have to start over, getting a little confused here. This is what happens. Now, what I'm feeling right now is just right. Because that's what's happening. That's what I'm experiencing. So I'm conditioned, though, to have this narrow band of what's acceptable. I should be very clear at all moments. I should know exactly what I'm talking about. I should, be, uh, I should not have any reactions to completely spacing out. <laughs> now, if I, if I add to my whatever that unfolding organic experience, that notion of what I'm experiencing is wrong or shouldn't be, there's a kind of prohibition in my mind. And not only do I, do I apply that prohibition to myself, but then I apply it to others. And when I apply that prohibition to myself, that makes me really restless. It makes me really agitated. It increases the sense of what I'm experiencing uh, has to be a certain way. And then if anything is outside of that, I'm, uh, something's wrong. So our practice starts with the, the invitation to begin the process of welcoming. That's why I use the word welcome during the sitting tonight. Welcoming whatever feeling arises, whatever thought arises about yourself, about another person, first and foremost to welcome. Once you have developed this much more simple, steady awareness, this welcoming attitude, this what one teacher called choiceless love, then we can then more easily perceive, see for ourselves, What's wholesome? What's not? What I, what I want to cultivate? What I want to practice less of in my life? But I allow that wisdom to be the cause of my changing behavior or changing reactions or changing feelings rather than the imposition of some kind of culturally based idea of what's acceptable some kind of internalized family view of what it's, how it's okay to feel, how it's okay to act. Just as a, as a um, um, part of the male um, gender, identified male gender, the experience of identifying with that, lots and lots of conditioning about what a, a male is supposed to be like supposed to somehow be together. <laughs> and that's why I love so much when I, especially when I read back in the 
late 70s, the teachings of, of Trungpa Rinpoche, who, who wrote this book called Shambhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior. And in that book he says, he, he talked about the warrior. And a warrior is not somebody that's, that's all pumped up, but a warrior is someone who experiences the tenderness of the human heart. That one who becomes passionate about being tender. That's not the conditioning that I was raised with. I would say a wide range of our culture, especially, I guess, uh, female-identified or I would say everyone, to not just female, but what I've, when I've met over the, the years, I would say female gender are a little bit more conditioned to experience it being unacceptable to be angry. And of course, if you're human, whatever your identity, whatever your gender, whatever your orientation, you'll get angry. It is completely human to experience frustrated desire, one of the causes of anger. That's not gender-based. It's not sexual orientation-based. It's human. It is... Uh, but if there's, a, if there's a, a prohibition of being angry, if no, nothing will piss you off more than thinking it's not okay to, get, to be angry. So we all have, you know, these are just two of countless ways that we are, are in some ways funneled into a very narrow band of what's acceptable. And we get it from our different religious backgrounds, our family backgrounds, our community. And it's a process of, of weeding through what's actually happening here. And what I'm experiencing is right. Where we use, as one teacher puts it, we use reality as the highest order. Whatever I'm experiencing right now, as she would put it, Byron Katie, is meant to be. How do I know that? Because that's what's happening. That's reality-based. Not gender-based, not cultural-based, reality-based. What's actually true? Now, I may find in the course of, of allowing, including all the, the different elements, the the strengths and the weaknesses, the joys and the sorrows, the, the goodwill and the intense ill will, I may find as I welcome all of that um, much more space, much more space of understanding and discernment. One, I will find that anything that arises into my consciousness, whether it is acceptable or not, wholesome or unwholesome, whether I want it to be there or not, things arise 
selflessly. They come unbidden. They come unbidden. Feelings show up. Physical experiences show up. Illness shows up. A whole flywheel of thinking shows up. And the more that I allow it to be experienced as it is, the more I see that it's not personal. It's not me. It's not mine. Or you could say it's all me. It's all part of the, the display of the human consciousness. It's not all about me and mine. If it were about me and mine, I could say, this shouldn't show up, and it wouldn't. Uh, this feeling is not this feeling. I can have this feeling and not have this feeling. That's not how it works. Selflessly, unbidden, a whole array of thoughts, feelings, emotions, physical experience. So in order for me to understand that, I have to welcome everything. I have to start with the premise that what I'm experiencing right now is right. Try it on for a moment. Whatever you're experiencing, it's right. It's the way it is supposed to be. How do we know that? Because that's what's happening. The alternative to that is the sequence of reactions that follow the feeling of what I'm experiencing right now shouldn't be happening. What follows that is some kind of reaction. I don't like this. Or I want it to be different. And each of those reactions produces an internal kind of tension. That tension, reaction, creates a, a discharge. A discharge comes in the form of, of wanting, of thinking, of planning, of looking for some other experience other than what's ha happening right here. And what seems like, what seems like, what seems in real time, Whatever is actually happening here in this room is very simple. It's seeing, it's hearing, it's smelling, it's tasting, it's feeling, it's thinking. That's it. Buddha called that the all. In the seen, there's just what's seen. In the heard, there's just what's heard. The smell, just what's smelled. Tasted, just what's tasted. Felt, just what's felt. Cognized, thought, just what's thought. That's all. Totality of our life. But what is actually quite simple becomes uh, a world of imagination, a world of, of becoming, a world obsessed with, with getting somewhere. I was reading today, and I actually wrote this down, if I can find it. I found it so interesting. It was a, a conversation that Carl Jung had with, a, with an, 
uh, Native American a chief of some uh, Native American tribe. And the Native American chief pointed out to, to Jung that in his perception, most white people, from the perception of a Native American, most white people have tense faces, staring eyes, and a cruel demeanor. He said, they are always seeking something. What are they seeking? The whites always want something. They're always uneasy and restless. We don't know what they want. We think they are mad. So this, of course, is very analogous to what the Buddha said, what, what makes us, what turns our essential challenges of being alive into mental suffering is this chronic ha habit of wanting things to be different than the way they are. This is what the Buddha called the second noble truth. And this is essentially saying what's happening is not right. And we're doing this again and again and again. All day, our mind is driven by this trance that what's happening right now is not right. So let's try it on again. What's happening right now is right. Notice the difference if there is one. What's happening right now is right. And I don't mean, I think it, maybe I mean it on all levels, but I mostly mean your experience right here in this room. But it could sound kind of cool or simplistic if we were talking about the world situation. But I think that in order to meet the world situation with some wisdom and love, we have to first see it. It's right. It's happening the way it's happening. That's what right means in this case. It doesn't mean versus right and wrong. It means this is how it is. And if I can really open to that, then maybe I can find a way to sit in the middle of this crazy life. But if I'm in a constant state of reactivity, wanting something that's not here, there's no rest. I, my demeanor is cruel. My eyes are staring. What was the other thing he said? My face tense. Someone, uh, two people came into my, uh, I meet with people during the day, uh, kind of my day thing, do a lot of mentoring and supporting people. And one person came into the office today and they had, on their way to the office, they had to come down Masonic, which has torn up for those who use Masonic regularly. It's, and they remembered that I had said to them uh, one time, when you drive, you're really not going anywhere. 
because the you know the easily you know when it comes to time your mind just starts leaping forward getting to the destination and then a torn up street is preventing you from from arriving at the at the proper time and so then our mind enters into that trance where the only way to find relief is to for the traffic to be different for the street not to be torn up to for everybody to get out of the way and that's a state of tension it's saying what i'm experiencing is not right and when she remembered me saying when you drive recognize that you're not going anywhere all of a sudden she was she realized she was in the only place she could be just right where she's sitting the scene may not be changing as quickly but at least she knew she was already she had already arrived that she stepped out of that trance of that tense trance of not i can't be happy until the conditions change she just realized i'm not going anywhere and then another person came in and said they they've been realizing that they uh, a a realization that they they're holding their breath a lot and i said that that's a, actually a great insight and that recognition can be the the cause of you know taking a letting your body breathe because usually once we know we're holding our breath we don't keep holding it we the wisdom of seeing that our body just naturally breathes but she said how do you how do you uh, you know that i said you can do those little momentary breaths or resolve to notice that you're to notice how you're breathing during the day or you can see what are the conditions that you're how are you living your life that is that's creating that that feeling of of tension how are you thinking are you do you have are you allowing your whole to-do list whole to-do list to impinge on your consciousness in the present moment So are you thinking of yourself as somebody who's zooming through the day trying to get through things get to things on time That's a, a source of a lot of tension easily coloring the present moment as one that's not right Or are you in the middle of it all are you recognizing that you have that you're aware that you're aware even before you're a person before you can think you're aware and that aware is has plenty of space it's timeless it's here you can do that any moment during the day and that you know, your nervous system will regulate itself a little bit more and then when things do come up that are difficult you have you're regulated enough to meet it oh this is what's happening now what's happening is right how do i know that it's what's happening 
So our practice both teaches us to develop that strength of attention and also a shifting attitude to being less in contention with our life and more open and welcoming. And it's worth it. You know, I was just, I had a week off, which I feel very blessed, privileged to be able to have had a week off. And as I slowed down a little bit, I looked around. I, I looked, you know, I felt like one of those bugs in a bowl before I took the week off. You know, that poem I often read, we're all like bugs in a bowl, all day going up and down the bowl, head in our hands, cry, moan, feel sorry for ourselves, or look around, see your fellow bugs, say, how you doing? Say, nice bowl. So I got to look around and and I, I sometimes see the world as just a projection of my own mind, but I was looking at people and they didn't look very well. I don't think it was just a projection of my mind. People looked deadened. They looked, they just looked unhappy. And then I realized this is a, it's possible to really be happy and well. And that we don't have to sleepwalk through our life and then die. We can actually see the, the rightness as it unfolds that includes joys and sorrows and, and acceptable thoughts and a lot of unacceptable ones. Acceptable feelings and a lot of unacceptable feelings. As Rumi says, welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows that empty your house of its furniture, Invite them in. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. Now, it's easy for me to talk about that. I'm not sure I would be so easy if my house got emptied of all its furniture, but at least it's a direction. That's how I want to meet my, when my house is emptied of its furniture. I want to be able to meet it at the door laughing and say, this is right. So that's my aim. Any questions, comments? We have a, Carrie is nice enough to carry around the microphone. Anybody has any questions about anything that was said, anything confusing? Anyone? Beautiful, every, almost everyone fully enlightened. Please say your name, if you don't mind saying your name. I'm going to try to say this concisely. I find myself arguing. There's like a missing link for me. Um, I think it's partly because, to make it personal, I feel like there were certain conditions in my own life that are not optimal. And certain positions? Um, conditions. Conditions, and yes. That I actually would probably be doing better if I were to move on in a certain way. And so I do feel like I'm getting good at seeing what is here. But I'm looking to the teachings and asking, then what? <laughs> you know, and then I put it in more extreme situations and I say, there have been all kinds of struggles with people throughout the ages, you know, that um, 
civil rights movement in the US, any, you know, women's rights, any people that have been oppressed have had to look at their conditions and say, yes, that word right is difficult. I see what you're saying. I mean, yes, this is what's happening, but then something else has to happen. That's right. It, um, and so there's this little link that I'm looking for from the teachings that I'm not hearing. Um, what happens next? Yeah, I really appreciate your question. And just the simplest answer is that, that I come to is that if I first see what's happening clearly, open-hearted, bring that choiceless love, then then I can actually take wise action. Just like I said, if I see I'm not breathing, I take a breath. So I have to see, I have to see clearly. I have to ha my heart has to be open to the conditions that I find myself in, in order to take, take action that is, that is skillful. Otherwise, my actions tend to be reactive and I tend to compound my difficulties because I'm, because I'm in so much reaction to the conditions that I'm in. So it's, in terms of what to do, I just absolutely trust that you have, that each of us has, and we have collectively the intelligence, the love, the compassion uh, to be able to, to skillfully, as people do, skillfully respond to every kind of injustice, and I, I see it every day, and I see people tying themselves in knots in reaction. So why we start with sit, learning how to sit in the middle of it, see whatever's happening is right, that is actually the ground at which then I can make, I can make skillful action. So the idea in the teachings is to learn how to respond rather than react. Reaction compounds suffering. Responding tends to lead to more wholesome actions. I mean, that's just in general. Uh, it's, it's too much to give a whole, you know, I can't say much more about that right now, but thank you. I think that I think the teachings really point to learning to trust awareness. Trust your, the, your innate intelligence. Trust your good heart, your sincerity, all the qualities that flow from that. And to yeah, love yourself up. That's the next step. So am I loving? Am I meeting this, this moment with goodwill and clarity? Then I think the rest kind of takes care of itself. And of course, we can't do it alone. That's why we sit together. That's why we, we mobilize together. Why the whole world is screaming to get rid of this maniac. <laughs> Excuse me, I have all the compassion for how he came to be the way he is, but he's dangerous. He's not helpful. And I, can I don't have to put him out of my heart, but still. 
There are a lot of people who are seeing, seeing him with an open heart. They're saying, get him out of there. You don't, it doesn't have to be done with ill will. With It's not right. First, let's see, oh, this is what's happening. Well, now what do we do about it? Anyway, thank you. I, I, I don't think we can go any longer. Unless there's somebody with a burning comment or question. We will we'll get the hang of this. I won't talk so much. We'll, we'll have a, a, a whole night of Q&A, and I hope that you'll participate. And really, just for future reference, any comment or question or topic that you have, something you may want me to comment on or some way that we talk will likely be of some benefit to someone else. So don't be bashful. We try to be as free as we can here because whatever you're experiencing and want to talk about is right. Anyway, thank you all for your attention. And may any, any um, goodness, any benefit, any fruit, any merit, anything positive out of what happened tonight. Um, let's share it with all beings everywhere, remembering that we don't exist ourselves apart from, from the whole. And uh, we'll share the blessings of our practice with a deep wish that all beings can have a sense of well-being and happiness and have the causes of well-being and happiness growing every day in their lives, in our lives and that all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering, both the mental suffering and the, and the, the physical suffering. Try to alleviate it wherever we can find it. And a deep wish that all beings can awaken to that timeless peace that is the natural state of your own mind, the sacred happiness that's without sorrow, that's available to each person here and now and not overlook that vital point. And a deep wish that all beings in the meantime and always grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet our joys and our sorrows uh, with less reactivity so we suffer less. May our practice today and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.